We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless, and let this word speak to your heart today. Glory to God. If you have a Bible, if you can open up your Bible to Proverbs chapter number 4. Proverbs chapter number 4. If you remember a few uh, months ago, Pastor did a sermon series, a three-part series on the issues of the heart uh, on a Wednesday night. And um, I just got something that I would just like in my heart to add, not necessarily add to, but a message that, uh, a teaching that I want to do called Heart Conditions Leadership Qualities. Heart Conditions Leadership Qualities. My son, give attention to my word. Uh, This is Proverbs 4, verse 20. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them, the health and life to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let your ways be established. Verse 27, do not turn to the right or the left and remove your foot from evil. Say amen. How many of you know that, uh, you know, we, we know that the heart, it is a very important organ. It's a very important issue within the Bible. And there are numerous, we could stand up here all day long and read scriptures in regards to the heart. But I want to just talk about some heart conditions, conditions of the heart. Because the condition of your heart will determine the atmosphere of your leadership. And I'm talking to a Sunday morning Bible study crowd and with the assumption really that you're here because you want to learn the Word of God. Amen. You could have waited and came to Sunday Sunday afternoon to 11 o'clock, but you're here because you want something more. You want to add to what you would normally get just from a Sunday or a Wednesday night. And so I want to give you something that you can actually take some notes. I'm going to try not to, and of course I'm going to say try not to preach, which is hard for me. But uh, I'm going to try to teach a little bit, Brian. We'll see how that works out. But the heart condition determines the atmosphere of your leadership. The condition of your heart shapes the environment in which you live. The way that your heart goes, it leads and guides the atmosphere that you're in right now. Whatever atmosphere you have in your home is a direct result of your heart condition. The atmosphere that you have on your job is a direct result of your heart condition. The atmosphere that you bring into the building today, that you walked into those two double doors right there and walked in those doors over here or you snuck in the door in the back, the atmosphere that you brought with you, you brought in as a result of your heart condition. And so first thing I want to do is I want to address the heart problems. I think I have four heart problems that I want to just teach you about. And then we're going to give you the cure for those heart problems. The first heart problem is a heart of guilt. A heart of guilt which equals uh, means that I owe you. 
Do you know people who lead out of a heart of guilt? They have a difficulty trusting others. Those that have a heart full of guilt build walls and not community. They seem to be distant or distracted. They overreact to weaknesses. And they have a lot of surface relationships. Do you know anybody or maybe even yourself? You're like, man, I, 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 you're already listing some of my own conditions that you have shallow leadership or shallow relationships because of a heart of guilt. Parents oftentimes parent out of a heart of guilt because of a way maybe that they did or mistakes they made and now they're parenting out of a heart of guilt or leading out of a heart of guilt. Another heart condition is an angry heart where you have an attitude of you owe me. People who have an attitude of you owe me overreact to failure. They don't take responsibility to their own failures. They have secret anger inside of their hearts when other people are promoted. People that have an angry heart are those that reject correction and call it criticism. Have you ever tried to lovingly correct somebody, but because of their heart condition, they take correction as criticism? They get offended when you begin to try to lead them or guide them. Have you ever tried to lead somebody that had an angry heart? Because it's almost impossible to lead somebody that has an angry heart because every time you try to guide them, it, they will automatically rebel. You try to guide them, they're going to automatically feel like, well, you're criticizing me. <laughs> Say amen. They have an attitude, you don't have to say amen, but somebody that has an angry heart has an attitude of entitlement. That you owe me. Say amen. You know anybody that has an attitude of entitlement? How about a whole generation, Amen with an angry heart of entitlement that they have the position that they have is because it was owed to them. That is an angry heart. How about a greedy heart? People that have a heart of greed where it says, I owe me. An angry heart, I owe you or you owe me. A guilty heart is I owe you. A greedy heart is I owe me. Reluctant to share the credit. Operates out of insecurity. Tries to control people. They end up producing shells of other people. A good, uh, they're a, uh, they are a controller of people, not a leader of people. They have a culture of secrecy. Expect others to give but don't want to give themselves. It's all about what a person can receive. They are consumers. We have a lot of people in, in the business world and in the church world of where we are consumers. We want to consume a product. We want to consume the word of God. We want to consume ministry. We are those who sit back and we are consumers. We continually consume. How much can we consume when we have a heart of greed? We do not have a desire to give out. We have a desire to consume. 
Sitting back, feed me. It reminds me of the little uh, birds and the robin. You know, the little robin's nest. You got the little bird, uh, Sister Holly, and the little bird babies is hatched. Uh, and all that baby bird does for the min- first months of its life, it just simply has its mouth open. Brother George say, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. They are the ugliest little creatures you have ever seen, and they've got the biggest mouth, and all they want to do is go, feed me, feed me, feed me. I don't mind babies wanting to be fed all the time, but when you get to be an adult, you okay, say amen. I told you I wasn't going to preach, amen. Feed me. Sitting on the pew talking about, feed me, pastor, feed me, pastor, pastor, feed me. Sing to me, baby, sing. Sing the song I want to sing. Greed, consuming worship, but never worshiping yourself. Consuming the word of God, but never giving any word of God. Taking finances, but never get. okay, say amen, greedy. Greedy, expect others to give, serve me but never taking a towel and putting it over their arm and serving others. We know that jealousy is a heart condition. That you owe me, God owes me. People that have a jealous heart. Now I know that I'm here at Truth Chapel over here, amen. And I know that there is nobody in the house today. I'm Maybe somebody that's listening on the podcast later will be able to maybe point out some people that are jealous. But I know there's no jealousy within the house here at the church. But if there was, it's a heart condition of God or you owe me. Points out faults, faults, faults in others. Finds it hard to, have you ever been around somebody that finds it hard to celebrate others? That when other folks get a win or get a victory, they just like, mm hmm. When you get a promotion on your job, you got a family member that cannot celebrate that promotion? Have you ever been around somebody that prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for somebody and that somebody finally got the miracle? And when they finally got the miracle that they had been praying for them about, that they couldn't celebrate it? Because the reality is that they had a hidden jealousy that they actually got the miracle they prayed for. Is that all right? Amen. It's a heart condition called jealousy. Of where you owe me. People who have uh, want to succeed based on others' failures. That as soon as they see a brother fall, they, they don't stop. As the Bible says, that he that has wisdom, when you see a brother or sister in the fall, he that has wisdom, let them restore the brother and sister in the fall. That would be the godly move. But what we oftentimes do, if we see somebody stumble, it seems to be an opportunity for advancement as you step over the person who has stumbled to assume their position. Is anybody here this morning on a Sunday? Heart of jealousy. A heart of jealousy. An attitude. Here's my favorite. Here's one of my favorites. It's an attitude of I could do better if I had that position. I could preach better than Pastor P if I had the opportunity to do it. 
I always tell people, uh, bro, when everybody, anybody's like, well, I can do it, but I'm like, here. Hello, it, I travel, and I every now and then I'll see somebody kind of got that look on their face, you know, like, mm-hmm, if I was the one. It don't matter to me to walk down and be like, here's your chance. And what happens is when the chance is finally given, they realize quickly that it wasn't worth having a heart of jealousy that maybe the person that has the microphone or the position of the platform or whatever it is in ministry, maybe they have it for a reason. Say, man, looking at me, if I was, if I was the one singing, if I was the one, you know what's so funny though, Brother George, is nobody ever, (laughs) this, I ain't gonna lie to y'all, this this actually cracks me up, nobody ever says, if I was vacuuming the church, I could vacuum better than that. I ain't never seen nobody in ministry holly go, I say, well, if I was cleaning them toilets back there in the bathroom, I could clean it better than them. Nobody ever is jealous over positions that seem irrelevant to the person that is jealous. But it's time that some folks understand some things. Amen. That God does not exalt those that are jealous. He exalts those that are humble. People always are jealous of the ones that are considered the spotlight positions. Man, I I guarantee if I was out there mowing the grass, I'd have them lines straight. Man, Brother Tommy would be like cranking up the lawnmower then and try it. Glory to God. Always a heart of jealousy always wants the credit but doesn't want to do the work. A heart of jealousy. How many of you know that we do have heart problems and you may not be sitting in the room and have all the problems, the four that I've just mentioned, but guess what? There is a no doubt that all of us do have some work that can be done within our heart. There are areas within each and every one of us in this building. If you are hearing my voice, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind and especially in the mind of God that there are areas within the heart that we need to truly guard with all diligence because the Where you are in your life right now, wherever you are, whatever state that you have found yourself in this morning as you woke up, got yourself together, fixed your hair, put your clothes on, tied your shoes and got in your car and spent all that money and gas to get here today. There's no doubt in my mind that each and every one of us have an issue in the heart because where you are in this very moment, whether you feel blessed in the city and blessed in the field, or whether you feel like they used to feel on hee-haw, woe is me, agony on me, and if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. No matter where you find yourself at in this very moment is a direct result of your heart. It's a direct result from your heart. Where are you in your heart? From your heart, guard it with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Wherever you are in your life today is a direct result of where you're at in your heart. 
And if you're feeling pretty good, like, well, I'm blessed coming in, and you, you, you are the epitome of Deuteronomy chapter 28. You're blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed coming in, blessed going out, and everything you put your hands to is blessed. Amen. Glory to God. If that's you, praise God. Your heart's probably pretty good. But some of us have heart issues that if we could tweak them, and get some heart medicine so that we could experience some cure and some relief in our hearts, it would do us good. If you have a guilty heart, one of which is difficult to trust others, one where you have built walls and not communities, one where you feel distant or distracted, one where you have only surface relationships, the best way to handle that guilt is take the guilt cure, which is confession. Confess your faults one to another. Get a clean slate with God. Repent of your sins and ask God to not only forgive you. Yes, there's a point of salvation and being baptized in Jesus' name and being filled with the Holy Ghost. But repentance truly is a daily thing. Get your heart right daily. You know, I was spent time with uh, my parents uh, uh, this week going and coming. I would uh, stop at my parents' house on my way up into up north and then I stopped back at my parents as I traveled back on my way down instead of a 17 hour trip uh, one way it would break it up into halves and and one thing that I noticed about my dad that my dad uh, when he prays over the food he, he is pretty how many of you have the you know a locked in prayer you know it's locked in you know bless the food let it be nourishment to our bodies and bless all the missionaries in Jesus name amen I mean, there's actually, if that's your prayer, just, just eat. Just, just, just eat while the food is warm, amen, just, it, because that's a repetitious prayer. And, okay, anyway, we don't, we don't want to talk. But, but my dad, he, 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 he prays pretty sincere in blessing the food. And if you're not careful before you eat the food, you find yourself having to pray. Because my father, every single time he prays over the food, he repents of his sins. <laughs> Either <laughs> there's a whole lot going on, or he just, <laughs> amen, or he just wants to keep his heart right towards God. He doesn't want to have a guilty conscience. How many people deal with a guilty conscience? Amen. And when you have a guilty conscience, you begin to become distant from people. People you normally would be close to. You separate yourself. But when my father prays over the food, he'll bless the food and pray the typical things. And then you can hear it in his voice as he trembles before we eat. And he said, and Lord, please forgive me of all. All of my sins. And, I, and, you know, I'm usually, while he's in there praying, you know, I'm usually got my. Because <laughs> them people then in Kentucky, they can cook, George. That, they, that, man, when you got chicken and gravy and biscuits and scrambled eggs, that's a meal right there. Woo! Somebody felt like shouting because you didn't eat no breakfast to get here on time for Sunday school. Forgiveness of sin. Confess your sins. When you ask God to forgive you on a regular, everyday basis, it'd do some of us good just to wake up in the morning and ask him to forgive us of our sins. What's the Bible saying, First John? He'll be faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. And you can move on without a guilty heart. Number two, if, you, if you've got the angry heart, here, here, here's what you can do. This is, this is good. 
you have an angry heart, then forgive. Most anger that a person contains in their heart is a direct result of unforgiveness towards a particular person or circumstance. How many of you know there's some scripture in the Bible uh, in red that talks about forgiveness and unforgiveness? I bet you if I were to have you raise your hand and even point, you could probably do both, maybe. If you could raise your hand and say, you know what, I have some areas of unforgiveness in my heart. And those areas of unforgiveness, if it is left undone and unforgiven over time, it will produce an angry heart. Well, you will find yourself being mad at folks that didn't have nothing to do with the thing that you have unforgiveness for. You will find yourself not being able to be at peace and go to sleep and it'll take you forever to go to sleep. My wife, she's, she's angry with me all the time because when I hit the bed, bless God, when I close my eyes, it's out. When I lay down on that bed, I mean, it's an automatic lay down. Done. Heart clear. I can go to bed. When I lay down, I go to sleep. Why? Because there's nobody in my life that I'm angry at. There's nobody in my life that I have unforgiveness towards. And we need to begin to investigate our own heart to determine that maybe the reason that we are on the ed on edge all the time. I've heard people say, man, I just feel like I'm on edge. I feel like I'm on edge. And anybody that comes to me and says, man, Pinkerton, I feel like I'm on edge. And I always follow that with, who, do, who are you mad at? Who are you angry with? Who do you have unforgiveness in your heart towards? Because unforgiveness always produces an angry spirit. That's why Jesus was very clear, very bold, very to the point when he said, if you don't forgive those that have uh, sinned against you, Jesus said, I'm not, my Father in heaven is not going to forgive you. Now we want to be, you know, we want to be like, oh, if I stub my toe and, and you know, and I, I cuss in the middle of the night and the rapture happens, am I going to go? Well, I don't know. I'm just going to not stub my toe. Somebody say amen. But I do have one that I know for sure that you are in trouble. You are in danger. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, you want a heart cure and get your heart cured of anger, begin to forgive everybody in your life that has ever done you any kind of wrong, harm, hurt, or disappointing, or whatever the case may be. Begin to purpose in your heart even today before we leave this building that you'll say, I'll forgive every single person in my heart and in my life whether they deserve it or not because they're no more deserving of your forgiveness than you were deserving of the forgiveness of the almighty God if it comes down to who deserves your forgiveness that would be nobody deserves it but I'm thankful unto God that even when this old sinner boy like me didn't deserve the cross Christ still died on the cross and forgave me of every one of my sins even though I didn't deserve it so quit holding everybody hostage and forgive everybody Glory to God. Look at your neighbor just in case. Look at your neighbor just in case and say, I forgive you just in case. <laughs> uh, 
Uh-huh. Amen. That, amen. That might have been that might have been right. Amen. That might have been good. I forgive you. That's how you get rid of it. If you got a greedy heart and have the attitude of I owe me, reluctant to share the credit, operating in insecurity. Culture of secrecy. Expects others to give, but not giving of themselves. Well, guess what the greed cure is? This is an easy one. The greed cure is give, give, and more giving. And I'm not even talking about finances. I could stand up here all day long. We all know, and it's easy to talk about being greedy with money and having a closed fist. Say amen. How many of you know that you did not have to teach your baby how to be greedy? Did you, did you sit down and teach your young child to say, mine, 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 mine? Now look, Johnny, this is how you get selfish and be greedy. When somebody wants to take one of your toys, you clench your fists and say, mine, 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 mine. Now watch these pelicans. This is They're going to teach you how to say, mine, 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 mine. Say amen. You don't teach greed. Greed is in the heart of man because they have a sinful heart. And the only way that you can combat greed is to learn how to have one hand open to God and the other hand always open to man. One hand open to God and become a funnel and not where you quench what God is trying to give through you. Whether that's time, whether that's effort, whether that's love. Because, see, the reason that the Dead Sea is so dead, and though it has all the minerals and all the sustenance, all the good stuff within the Dead Sea, it's so good that they make lotions out of it, bath bars out of it, all kinds of good stuff out of the Dead Sea, but nothing can live in the Dead Sea is because it doesn't have an outlet. And the reason that we can come into church and, and hear good teaching, hear good preaching, hear good worship Sunday after Sunday, Sunday morning after Sunday morning, Wednesday night after Wednesday night, and still have a greedy heart is because we don't have an open hand. We don't have one hand. We got one hand open to God because we're like, gimme, 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 gimme. Consume, 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 consume. Feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. But what the problem is, is that we don't have an open hand giving, 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 giving. What would it look like if we went on our jobs, went into our families with an open hand of giving instead of a consuming hand? Instead of a taking hand. So to cure the greedy heart, learn to give. Learn to be a blessing. Learn to give when people are unexpected. Learn to stand there and be like, I am looking for ways that I can give myself away. Isn't that a song that we sing? I give myself away. Isn't that a song? See how you can use me? There's another old song. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Touch my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord. Speak through me. If there's any way you can use me, Lord, you can use me. We need to be givers in the house of God like never before. If we're truly going to see a harvest come here in 2022, the way that the harvest will come is those of us that are filled with the Holy Ghost and power will learn how to be givers and not consumers. We want a jealousy cure. 
there's a way that we can cure jealousy. To me, I think this is one of the greatest things that a person can do within the body of Christ is when you can cure jealousy, you'll no longer point out the faults in others, but you will learn to exhort one another. How many of you know it's easier to point out faults in people than it is to exhort people? Any amens here? It's easier to be like, you need to do this, this, and this so that you can attain this. But sometimes if you would just exhort a person, build them up in their most holy faith, and begin to encourage them in the Lord, they'll naturally, by way of your encouragement, come above the things that that you normally would want to criticize. A lot of the times, you know, you can choose what type, you know, Bobby Knight was a great coach, but that dude was rough. Throwing chairs onto the court. And people performed well out of a heart of fear. (laughs) Amen. But then there are other coaches that they will encourage their players and they, they perform because they love the coach, not because they're afraid of the coach. And what do we want here in the church? We want people to do what they need to do, not because they're afraid of the Lord, but simply because we encourage people to be better. Encourage people and lift them up. I try my best to be a good exhorter of people. I try my best to build people up. If you get a text from me, it'll generally say, man of God, and then the text. Because I want to encourage people in the Lord. I want to build people up. We have got to become a people. If you're going to get rid of the jealous heart, then we've got to begin to, number one, build people up. Encourage somebody, shake their hand and say, hey, how are you doing, woman of God? How are you doing, man of God? You don't got to be crazy or goofy and all that, but man, there's sometimes it's just good. The best prophetic word you can give to somebody is just, how are you doing, man of God? Because you don't know how they have felt throughout the week. A good jealousy cure is begin to celebrate others when they're promoted. Begin to celebrate other people when they're in the positions that God has given them. Celebrating other people will crush a jealous heart. Celebrating other people's gifts and talents will crush a jealous heart inside of you. That instead of when you see a person fail or stumble, that we would be a group of people in here. And that is one of the things that drew our family here to Truth Chapel four or five years ago when we came. And my wife and sister-in-law came for the very first time. One of their testimonies about this group of people, I was out on the road traveling and preaching. And we were looking for a home church and, and somebody had invited them to come here. I don't even know who it was that invited them to come. But when they got here, uh, they said, man, my wife said, Tommy, uh, one of the most craziest things about the church is I have never felt more love from a group of people than I felt when I came to Truth Chapel. We want to be a church that when people walk in the doors, whether they're saved or unsaved, or whether they're apostolic or Catholic, it doesn't make a difference that when they come through the doors of this church, They will walk in the building and not feel a jealous spirit, but would feel a spirit of love and kindness and generosity. 
And that's why we're here still yet today. It's because they said, man, we've never felt more love. I called and, and my wife was telling us about, uh, telling me about everything. And I said, well, I've got I've to talk to my boys and find out what they thought about it. And I'll never forget asking Hayden and Austin the first time that they had came and, and asked them about the service and said, hey, what did you guys think about the church you went to on Sunday? And the testimony of Hayden and Austin was, well, uh, the one thing I know, they weren't dead and the preaching was fire. Amen. And I, I, text, I texted uh, uh, Austin on Father's Day. And uh, ask him how church was uh, this past Father's Day. I was in Cleveland, Ohio at a church called Cathedral of Life. And I was in Cleveland. And I asked Austin, I texted him, I said, hey, how was service on Sunday? And he said, Chavy Wavy brought the fire. Oh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what Austin calls pastor. <laughs> JV Wavy. Can you back that off on the podcast? Praise God. In case, in case the man of God uh, listens, amen. Jealousy can be crushed when you celebrate others. When you don't desire the spotlight. You know, I heard Bishop T.D. Jakes one time preach, say, don't try to shine when the light ain't on you. <laughs> say amen. Don't try to shine when the light ain't on you. Don't crave the light. Don't crave the spotlight. Just be happy right where you are. And right where you are will be right where the light will come when the time is right. When you learn to celebrate others. When you learn to push others towards the light. When you learn to push others towards their ministry calling. When you learn, hey, a husband, it would do you good if you begin to encourage your wife. Wife, it would do you good if you would begin to encourage your husband. Instead of pointing out every fault and problem in their life, it would do you good to celebrate them. Amen. I said, amen. You want your husband to carry more groceries at once when they go to the car? Then talk about how awesome he was when he carried the two bags. Amen. You want that husband to uh, uh, fill the dishwasher again? Instead of uh, complaining about where he put the dishes, just be glad they got put somewhere. And say, no, it's all right here, amen. It's, uh, I'm, almost, I'm almost done. You're going to have 20 minutes to get over it before church starts, amen. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2. I'll close with this scripture. It says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love... If any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, one mind, and let nothing be done through selfish ambition or pride, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but let each one be on the lookout for the interests of others. What would our church look like if we would begin to esteem others greater than ourselves? 
and that we would all be as interested in other people's interests as we are in our own. What would our church look like if instead of waiting for someone else to hold the door for us, that we would hold the door for them? Instead of esteeming certain positions higher than others, that we would take on whatever the need was, we would fulfill the need. Whether it's parking behind the building or on the ball field, vacuuming or in the nursery. Say amen. That we would esteem others more than ourselves. And that we would take care of the heart issues that we have. The angry heart, a guilty heart, a greedy heart, a jealous heart. And we would do the very things that we need to do in order to make sure that our heart is pure before God. And that we would guard our heart with all diligence for knowing that out of it flows the issue of life. And our atmosphere, that when we walk in, the atmosphere that surrounds us is an atmosphere that is charged by the goodness that is within our hearts. And the things that we do, and heart of confession and praying and asking God to make sure that we're right. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to be a part of Truth Chapel, a church that is growing, a church that is reaching beyond its four walls, a place that God is doing something supernatural, and he will continue to do so as our hearts are pure before him. Why don't you stand up to your feet? Glory to God. We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.